Welcome to another episode of the One Hospital Podcast. I'm Sean Lee. I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Guan. And today, we're joined by Adolfo Quesada Viziana from the full-time MBA 2021 class. Welcome, Adolfo. Hi. Thank you very much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah. Very excited about this. Well, you just tell us where you're from and your journey to Haas. Great. I'm from Spain, South Spain, a beautiful town, a tiny town, <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not like the Bay Area. I studied business administration, so basically my passion was managing people, managing projects, didn't know about anything, didn't know about how, so I got into studying business. Soon after, during the school, you have the opportunity to go on an exchange program. Wow. I went to Finland. So I wanted to go like very far, different culture inside Europe. And basically, it was a game changer for me because the culture there was super entrepreneurial, super innovative, and I wanted to just uh, pursue more things like that in my career. It happens that actually when I was graduating at school, uh-huh. it was the crisis, the economic crisis. And there was not many job prospects in Spain. It's curious because uh, jobs are located mm-hmm. mainly in Madrid and Barcelona, but mainly in Madrid. So when you are outside there and you don't have access to the labor market, you're a bit uh, outside of the game. So what I did is mm-hmm. I joined I Business School because of the experience in Finland with this kind of business school environment where people have a lot of motivation, uh, very lot of ambition to make an impact. I was there one year meeting amazing people. We were 17 in my class, 59 or 60 were outside of Spain. So it was super rich experience to know people from everywhere, from Asia, Latin America, US, um, Africa as well. So it was one of the best experiences that I had in my life. And it got me mm-hmm. access to strategy consulting, mm-hmm. which is what I wanted at that time, because I still didn't know what to do <laughs> with my career. So it was a, a continuation of a business school, as I call it, but actually getting paid for that. I got into Deloitte in the strategy consulting and I was there this for was five Spain? years. It was, on a it was in Spain. I had mm-hmm. very nice experience there. I was like during these five years, I was immersed in a variety of projects from strategy planning to pricing, market launches, segmentation, cost optimization and due diligence. So it was a whole variety of uh, sectors and type of project that got me like uh, a lot of knowledge about different industries mm-hmm. and a different uh, different problems with many stakeholders. What, what about the geography? So I really enjoy that. The geography, that's a very nice question. Mm-hmm. I was all around Europe. We were having a project for a top pharma company that it was uh, 12 countries in Europe. So I had to travel a lot. It was super exciting because we had to deal not only with the main headquarter team from this company that has to manage the project, but also with each country that they were actually independent um, branches. So we have to deal with, I was dealing at some point with more than 40, 50 stakeholders at the same time, Uh, many of them from high level, like from CEOs of every specific country to country managers to marketing CEOs. So it was super exciting, super challenging. Um, It was also very intense, (laughs) as you can imagine, (laughs) from a consulting project. And also apart from that, I was uh, two months in Colombia for a different and one month in Ecuador in a volunteering project. This project it was uh, the other inflection point for me because since I was very young, I was super passionate about the social sector, social impact, mm. changing on contributing or co- at least contributing to change how things are in the system, like our current system, economic and financial systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that with this experience, it was one month in in Ecuador, uh, it was kind of partnership from Deloitte and Caritas mm-hmm. in which we were setting up a whole microfinance project. It was extracurricular. It was not like Deloitte-led, but mm-hmm. all of us were from Deloitte. I see. So it was very great because what we did is we were 
two months, yeah, approximately two months in Ecuador, and we had to, from scratch and without even further notice in or notice in advance at all, to uh, structure a whole microfinance project from uh, with funding from Norway, from Caritas Norway. Mm -hmm. So they will have two million funds to distribute to 600 families that had been recently affected. There was an earthquake in 2016. Uh, many people died, but even the destruction in the infrastructure and all the daily lives was even like much worse. Right. Mm -hmm. So this funding was a target to families that has been affected by the by the earthquake. It was like family business. I think like uh, we did a nice job there. Uh, basically, they were super happy with us because we they didn't know how to actually structure the funding and they didn't have any experience at all in the more financial or the operational part of this uh, type of programs. The NGO there was amazing for all the knowledge of actually the people in the region. They have doing that for so many years and with many good impact and advances in the region, but they didn't know how to handle that. So they saw three economists, consultants from Deloitte as a very huge opportunity to at least start structuring the process. Mm -hmm. um, and after two months, what we did is basically have more than 50 workshops. So I was probably working more than even in consulting. <laughs> wow. yeah. But it, it was super enriched, super I was super happy to have that experience because what happened is that we were actually teaching accounting, business, entrepreneurship to these families that they don't, they didn't have this kind of knowledge. Right. Also, at the same time, that people didn't realize that you have a revenue and you have a cost, and the mm -hmm. cost should be less than the revenue. Mm -hmm. So you have people uh, in the 60, 70 years old working so hard every day to have an income yeah. with their businesses. And then when you go through the numbers, it's like actually what you are purchasing, you are selling at the same money mm -hmm. after Wait. 12 hours of labor. So the, the funding, the $2 million was for uh, business owners that were affected. Yes. yes. Okay, exactly. got it. So this family business, what they had to do is create with us fairly easy uh, business plan mm. to justify that they could receive the money, which was going to be different steps, but basically they were starting with $500 each family, which will allow, allow them to continue a bit the operation, so to purchase or renew some of the equipment that they needed. Basically, there were many food-related business mm -hmm. that they need uh, ovens or they need mm. fridge or they need... Uh, at least more raw material, wow. and it was important an important aspect to actually not get out of the business. So basically, what we did apart from evaluating this business plan, actually building the business plan with them, was also doing this workshop where they learn more about business and entrepreneurship right. so they can continue in the long term, as well as putting all the templates and the processes for the NGO. So even when we leave from there, they can also continue doing that in the long term. Makes sense. I'm curious, what were some of the challenges, you know, that you guys face as consultants coming yeah, this in? This sounds like a consulting case, <laughs> you know, that you could give to someone, you know, and have them do it, you know. It was, you, you're making it sound so easy, you know, but no. <laughs> what were some of the challenges that you guys faced? I think part of the why it sounds easy is because it was a experience that we really, really enjoy. So, we were not thinking in the trade-offs. The NGO like Caritas, it was Caritas in Ecuador, but also another NGO uh, that is like Asociación de Mujeres de Manabí, which is focused on getting women into the labor market, promoting their access to more opportunities. Right. So there was like a combination of these two NGOs. So basically they share some responsibilities in a specific region in Manabí, which was the more affected by the the most affected by the earthquake. The challenges, very nice question, basically. I find the challenges mainly about how to 
educate, transmit the main issues of the business to people who sometimes don't even have literacy mm. and they don't know about math. Right. So they don't have the luxuries many times to hire more people that can take care of that. Right. So it was basically about 70 years person, for instance, with uh, his wife or his kid just managing a, um, a whole restaurant yeah. that they wanted to span and to put another restaurant. But before that, they have to be realistic about if that was profitable or not. Mm. So like transmitting that issue, it was, a, it was a whole point because they didn't know that they were losing money many times. They didn't know also, of course, anything about like this kind of customer experience when we are talking about fancy startup here in, in the Bay Area or something like that. It was more about trial and error, but this trial and error sometimes is very costly for them because uh, after a long time, they realize that they have been losing money. Right. And it's not just losing money for the business. It's actually family money that has been involved with that. So they have also to pay sometimes for rent or they have to pay for the food for their own family. And they see that uh, they, this business is actually just money money wasting. So, I mean, with a lot of emerging markets, sometimes you encounter, you know, people that are unbanked, right? A large population, uh, a large part of the population that's unbanked. Did you guys have to deal with any of that? And by unbanking, you mean the lack of uh, funding, lack of financial? Either lack of financing or they just, they don't even have a bank account. They just, you know, under their mattress. So many times that happened. I would say it was a frequent issue. Uh, what it was more also an issue was the... This, so they have at that time this financial provider to say something that uh, there was a huge interest cost for them. To, so they could access financing. It was just too expensive mm. because it's many times not a structure. And what happened is that so you had the bank, the more formal banking, which uh, doesn't have this credit scoring, something like that. So they don't provide funding. And then you have the individuals or small institutions that they can provide funding, but they are uh, a bit unofficial, to say something, right. and the interest rate can be just unaffordable. But as it was the only option that they have, actually they went for it. Mm -hmm. So I can put an example. We were trying to transmit the importance of actually saving money during your normal operation so you can afford renewing or buying again, repurchasing an oven that got broken right. without having to wait two years unless, until you accumulate money. And they, what they told us is actually those ovens, uh, since they were not saving for those ovens, they normally go for a 30% interest rate loan to purchase an oven that is three or $4,000. So it was hugely expensive with a huge interest rate. And by the time they are, yeah, by the time they are finally paying the over, like, and then that interest rate, like, they need another one. So they need to engage in another crazy loan like that. So we wanted to translate the, the importance of actually having discipline in saving, accounting that something bad can happen in the business, like this earthquake or just that malfunctioning of, the, of your equipment. So they have to depreciate. So that's why, that's how we were accounting uh, for the concept of depreciation. I Instead see. of going for very accountable terms, we were trying to show them uh, that this oven that you have purchased now, you have to account for that during many months. So you start saving a bit more money than just the profit and just the margin of the product, which won't give you the opportunity. Yeah. It seems like the interest expense you're saying is greater than the depreciation expense exactly. um, year over year. What are people's trust levels? Because I know in emerging markets in you know developing countries, a lot of 
small, medium business owners have very little trust in financial institutions or just in the government as a whole? We face that. We face mainly that they didn't trust the financial system. Maybe they trust some of the financial system that was not taking that much advantage of them. But again, like they didn't have access to that. So it's like, yes, I trust some institution, but are not the one that are anyway going to give me the money with a lower interest rate because Mm -hmm. I don't have the credit score. I don't have the, the track record to actually demonstrate that I can get into a loan. They, of course, they didn't trust these individuals, but it was just the only resource that they had. And that led to a point that we have to do a nice effort in terms of communication instead of marketing this program, this microfinance program. But I cannot take the, um, the proud actually to communicate that because it was, a part, it was part of the work of the NGO. So they have such a nice long-term relationship with all these individuals. They knew all of them by name, wow. by family, but it was like a long-term relationship in trust. So we didn't have to actually get involved there because they were trusting mm-hmm. the, the NGO. There was this issue of how the whole program is going to work because you're giving me this $500. I have to give them back in one year and it's with a 3% interest rate. Mm. Uh, so there was still some doubt in how the whole thing is going to function. But the NGO, like they did a very nice job of actually communicating the benefits of the program and how much cheaper than other loans is going to be and how is the sense of belonging to a community so all of them so it was we grouped them in groups of 20 families which were already like 40 50 individuals actually like working individuals so they have to respond collaboratively to give back the loan right and what happened is that actually the percent of giving back the loan was super high it was like 98 percent after two years 98 percent gave back the loan so it was a very success rate it didn't have any kind of like strong consequences so if they, they don't give back the loan what happened is at some point they cannot continue in the program so it was convincing that you have some responsibility as a business yeah. but also you are kind of protected by this community and one of the things that i was most happy about it was a uh, Two years ago, so after two years of the program, uh, I was meeting the lead of the NGO in Madrid. She came to Madrid for some visits with organizations and she visited us again. So we met with her. We were having this coffee with her and I was so happy when she told us that the program had become a best practice. So they were expanding to a few other regions in Ecuador and also in Latin America and that they were already engaging in more funding, like 4 million funding more in starting starting an accelerator. So for the business that they were a bit more advanced because there were many good ideas over there as well and not just the traditional business. For those business, they were trying to separate them so they can have a fast track to develop the idea. And and I I can give you a very nice example so on, on one side you have this traditional shop for that for scalability probably it will just always be a shop in the neighborhood yeah. and that's fine as long as you control this cost and profit issue but there was another business that uh, comes to my mind it was a couple they were selling menus for the boats in mm. the in the harbor so basically in Manabí there is one of the uh, biggest harbor in Ecuador and also part in that region in, in South America and they saw a very nice opportunity to actually have pre-cooked meals for the whole employees uh, of the fleet of like um, tens and tens of boats that you have thousands and thousands of employees so and they were like really really successful and really profitable and what they did is we were talking with them is like why don't you span to the mainland why don't you basically you're serving companies you're serving the whole fleet which are 
companies right. and businesses, why don't you do it also in offices and you position yourself as a catering with a good brand for the whole region. So for these kind of businesses that they were a bit more advanced and with a, like super healthy intense, like financially health, they had this, this accelerator where they try to uh, advise them and promote them to, to the next step. That's amazing. It's so coincidental because I, I just got out of, what is it called, my class? Doing business in emerging markets. Okay. <laughs> there couldn't be a more relevant yeah. you know, class at Haas that like covers just this for eight hours today. The other thing I want to notice is it just you sound so passionate about this, which is like I know people can't see you listening to this, but <laughs> I, like I, I, I don't know if it's the Spanish or if it's the. I always um, for me it was a game changer this project because uh, sometimes I'm a bit critical about consulting and everything, but my experience was that during two months I probably had more impact than during three four years. Wow! So I was like a bit biased, but uh, for me it was a, a really a really amazing experience to actually uh, you spend two months from your summer uh, working more than even like in consulting sometimes some days but the payoff was like super interesting the next natural question is what brought you to Haas yeah this project was a big part of that actually as I said having this experience that in two months you get involved with NGO with other stakeholders and kind of new ways of thinking because one of the ways that we were warned before going to the volunteering is like you're just a person who is giving a bit of advice. Mm -hmm. So don't expect to change the world. Don't expect to do war, work that is actually uh, none of your concern or that, that, that they do much better than you. So we were trying to genuinely like just give some ideas about how we could structure that. Very soon we have independency and through the trust from the NGO to actually structure this whole process. Um, then I had another two projects in with Deloitte that really not changed my mind because the, my mind was there about the social impact, but actually it was like the spark of, okay, this is now the right time yeah. to move out of my comfort zone and pursue uh, the social sectoring or the social impact sectoring that has. I wanted to do the MBA since like long time before. I just uh, was waiting for the right moment. And what happened is that I applied to different uh, MBAs that with this hope in mind that Haas was going to accept me because like the risk, the investment is so strong also even during the application process that you end up applying, of course, to more than one business school. But Haas was super well positioned in terms of social impact. Also the environment that is around Haas in terms of innovation, in terms of crazy ideas, crazy startup, and a lot of technology, a lot of ball movements in order to promote uh, social change. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be close to to this area um luckily yeah i was in, i was accepted so i started this august since the beginning my clear focus has been targeting this sector so no matter how long it takes me no matter how many obstacles there are during the way because there are like and one of the main things is like as an international uh, we have this problem of Many of the small startups or impact investing funds, which is a, an area of focus uh, for me that I want to learn about, mm -hmm. uh, they are small and they cannot have the luxury of sponsoring internationals. Right. So I'm dealing with that. I'm getting involved in probably more uh, extracurricular things than the right now, like jobs. I don't have the uh, summer internship yet, <laughs> hoping for that. Mm -hmm. But at least uh, I would say that I'm going to be very pragmatic. Uh, it could work or it could not work. So I have to go back to consulting or something like that but I will, at least I will have tried to make the, the best out of it. So my plan is learning as much as I can from social impact uh, here at Haas, especially from the financing part because the strategy normally after consulting is a bit easier to extrapolate. It's just different 
focus, not just profit, but profit plus impact and different stakeholders, which are normally a bit more difficult, like governments and big organizations. But the finance part is, uh, is my main focus, like learning about finance, like learning about new models to actually deploy capital in opportunities or in areas that they are needed. And people don't do it either because they don't see a very quick or huge profit in the short term or just because it's also too complicated so they don't in engage so i want to learn about these things there is here at has there is an amazing network of uh, professionals many of them there are faculty others are from the centers and institutes that is just so enriching the when you talk with them and they they tell you about the whole the whole deal of innovations and approaches that they are pursuing and also get, trying to get involved the students into this these areas i see I'm going to back up a little bit, but uh, I know you mentioned uh, IE Business School. I also went to IE, and yeah. <laughs> as you know, IE is very international, right? So it's like, I think, 80% international. And so you're going from being like kind of local in your own country, right, that you did the MIM program to being an international student here. So it's almost kind of the opposite. I'm just curious if you've experienced any cultural differences and have had to adjust, you know, whether it's your expectations or beliefs or attitudes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was in my comfort zone and I got out like big time <laughs> because I did this. I'm trying to push in this triple change of new sector, new country, new function, which people normally don't recommend to do that at the same time. I'm just trying. <laughs> we'll see what happens. About the culture, I'm pretty open to different things. And, and an example, I was kind of not famous, but at the, at the first week of the MBA, like people already uh, knew about me because I was the latest one to uh, arrive at Berkeley. So I arrived yeah. the night before starting the program. And people wow. were saying like, this guy is crazy. I mean, it took me an American and it took me two weeks just to adapt. <laughs> and I said, it just happens. <laughs> you, just, you have to, you're changing. So just uh, the, the less you think about that, the, the better. So I was expecting the cultural changes, cultural classes sometimes. I didn't have any bad experience so far. Some things for me are fun. One of the most fun for me is that so many times Spain and south of Europe is supposed mm -hmm. to be indirect in the way we communicate. So not very not very straight, not very direct, trying to avoid saying no. And what I'm finding here is that Actually, we are more straight than the U.S. Like here at Berkeley, sometimes people, they don't like to say no. They can't say no. Mm -hmm. uh, and even this mm -hmm. thing is super fun in terms of how people think and how people talk, uh, communicate. Uh, more cultural differences is just the dis distances and the public transport is the whole urbanization and the whole planning of the cities is just so different from Europe that it's uh, so much car dependent and uh, in Europe you have everything super close to each other like the way of building the, the way we use public transport so that has been probably one of my main clashes because at the end you, you end up paying more time spending more time, sorry, as well as paying more money right. for the same thing. Just going buying something, just going meeting a friend. So everything is more uncomfortable in that sense. Yeah. I would say I was in this kind of very convenient city. It's three million people, Madrid, where mm -hmm. it seems big and it's actually big, but it's way more convenient than uh, what I'm experiencing here, experiencing here in a in a town of, uh, it's actually a small city, right? So mm -hmm. that was also an uh, interesting change that I'm still getting adapted. And the food, mm -hmm. 
oh yeah, the food. That, that, that is, that is the, definitely the worst part for uh, me adapting ah. from Spain to, to the US. <laughs> we have, yeah. Any specifics? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I mean, when you have like better food, uh, healthier and cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ray, Ray, Ray actually, I think, mentioned that before that. When, he was in, when you were in uh, Spain, the food is mm, yeah. Our food was definitely cheaper. M- much cheaper. I mean, the produce. There's no such thing as organic because I feel like everything is organic. And yeah. <laughs> you know, the fruit might not look very appealing, but that's because they don't use pesticides. I agree. Much. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, it's yeah. like this healthy. I'm not a very disciplined person with, uh, when it comes to eating. So mm-hmm. <laughs> US is not uh, doing me any favor about that. So. Yeah. I'm curious, um, you know, you're about a year in now, you have a year left. Uh, what are some classes or things that you're looking forward to in the next year? So what I'm hoping for the next year is actually uh, getting more financial stuff, getting innovation stuff, also that I can learn from people who are doing, uh, are running their businesses here or they are a bit more technical into the, I like, I really like healthcare mm-hmm. as, a, as a topic for uh, starting with the social impact. So solutions that they are coming like the, the digital health telemedicine these kind of uh, solutions that can make uh, healthcare more affordable right so right now one of my favorite professors here at has has been Adair Morse she's a tough thought leader in uh, impact investing and she really knows about how to combine the finance part with the also like the double bottom line, financial profit as well as impact. Right. So I'm trying to get involved with, with some of the courses that she has. We are not, right now collaborating with um, Impact Fund that is based on New York and also Utah. And we are helping them to analyze the healthcare market to see how they can get involved into specific solutions that can make the healthcare, at least part of the healthcare, more affordable. Um, accessible for people so this this kind of and they call it applied innovation at the mba uh, this kind of courses that they give you practical experience and that you can have also the mentor the mentoring from a thought leader in specific areas i think that i will love to repeat it but <laughs> that being said it's a bit difficult sometimes because uh, there is a limit on how many courses you can do yeah. uh, both mm-hmm. from the side of workload and also be, even be, because of the credits, I'm very strategically always when I think about the like the, the curriculum. I was spending so much time into getting my <laughs> agenda for this spring payoff because I was uh, I could like, just get the specific courses that I wanted. I didn't even want uh, went to the bidding process, so I have my courses mm-hmm. even before the bidding wow. started. So I didn't have to fight for any course. So nice. yeah, it's, it's, it was, <laughs> but I was like, spending so much time, and I will have to do it this again, like in probably one or two months, yep. to figure out <laughs> what is the best stuff that I can get in the second year but it will be mainly focused on applied experience so either you have to run a project or you have to create something either like it can be a investment vehicle it can be getting into a process of analyzing some practical like kind of an externship with another company uh, through has collaboration so these kind of things is what I'm really looking for for the for the next year and maybe some also one or two uh, strong theory and quantitative courses that even if mm-hmm. they are not very practical but they are always good to have to renew some of the concept and to be stronger in a specific area mm-hmm. i think we met at an ibd conference and so i know you're involved in ibd but i want to ask you you know what extracurricular activities have you been involved in starting with ibd and possibly more yeah exactly we met during the conference of ibd 
I did the, I'm doing IBD right now and it's with a healthcare company in Thailand. We have, mm. as you mentioned, we have to figure out, the faculty has to figure out <laughs> what <laughs> is going to happen with the travel, which is a total pity because we are three teens going to Thailand. Wow. Uh, mm. We really wanted this experience of uh, uh, all the cultural immersions and having such nice uh, colleagues there all at the same time doing different three different projects. Right. So my project mm -hmm. is about digitalizing services, um, opening new revenue stream from e-commerce to for a leading hospital group in Thailand and Asia Pacific. Okay. So the project is very interesting. Actually, they chose me a bit because of this background in, in healthcare in Europe, um, like uh, digitalization. So apart from that, I'm involved in the um, Berkeley Board Fellows, which is, so basically they put you in a in the board committee as a non-voting member of an NGO or a non-profit in the Bay Area that you have to attend different meetings in exchange of this knowledge that they provide you about how NGOs work from the inside. Right. They require a kind of light workload, lightweight uh, project, kind of a strategic, like strategy consulting, but very, very light workload. So you collaborate with them, for instance, like reviewing the strategic plan, but not, not making the strategic plan, which can <laughs> be a huge workload, but reviewing, mm -hmm. giving some feedback or creating new impact metrics that they can implement in the future or analyzing a specific revenue stream, which is normally like grantees or donations, uh, to see how it can improve. So it's a decent project in terms of workload, not very time consuming. And in exchange, you have the opportunity to talk with the C-level in the company and even attend uh, a couple of uh, boards. Uh, while they are in the in the pure actions, <laughs> yeah. So this experience is also very nice. These two programs already, IBD and Board Fellows, and Berkeley Board Fellows, were one of some of the reasons that I also applied to Has. Yeah. And doing the Impact Investing Practicum, which is this course from Adair Morse that uh, they put you in a with a company, a collaboration, an internship, and you also do a Impact Investing project with them. More from the side of the strategy from of Impact Investing, so what sector, what which sectors to to invest in, how, why, what are the opportunities and the landscape. More that this, more the strategy side than the financial due diligence, which is not the real focus right now. And aside from that, VP of uh, Net Impact Club, like mm -hmm. careers. So <laughs> how, uh, what are the events that we can do in terms of like putting people, like, connecting people to each other so they can expand the network and also trying to help Christina Meinber which is the relationship industry manager from CMG, from careers for the social impact. So trying to be also the bridge to with her so we can uh, promote the opportunities for social impact. As a target this year, we are trying to put a bit more focus on the international students so they can also have access to this sector, which is very growing sector. Sometimes it's a pity that international people have to go back to their countries because mm -hmm. it always like having the hash brand is a huge deal, but sometimes you wonder uh, if you go through the whole process of doing the MBA and then just going back to your country mm -hmm. yeah. to mm -hmm. work in a specific nonprofit. While here in the US, there are normally many more opportunities, mm -hmm. both mm -hmm. in, because like many of the headquarters or the decision making for this for these companies or organization are in the US. Uh, so it's just a matter of you want to work internationally in the on, in ground or actually here where more the financial and decision making is done. But right. so this type of thing we are trying to also to promote and to figure out. 
yeah, I was right now assisting a teacher that is uh, my other so far favorite teacher here at Haas <laughs> is Jorge Calderon. So he's mm. a very tough leader, expert on social entrepreneurship. So he has this course called Impact Startup Disco. When you are at least MBA student, you can have the opportunity to be teaching assistant for a few months right. mm -hmm. for a specific courses. So I was, it was an amazing experience. It's this weekend in which uh, 40 students, they brainstorm their startup ideas. Maybe they don't even have, but they just brainstorm. They submit their ideas. They are voted up to 15 ideas. Those ideas are again voted and reduced to eight ideas. And they have during three days to develop the business concept. So it was super intense, has been 48 hours, people <laughs> working so much, and it was a very enriching experience to assist them and to see how they have developed from just a mere two-sentence description a few days ago to actually a business concept, a pitch, actually a fully developed pitch that they, at least from the strategy side and from the customer and the stakeholder side of how they are going to approach the, the startup. So they just pitch yours uh, before. There was a winner about mental health in a solution for mental health in India using mm -hmm. app because sometimes the problem is about is a taboo. So people don't even want to talk about that. So right. promoting education and community and people supporting each other. So this idea that basically was just a mere concept a few days ago, uh, now they have uh, much more clarity and a plan. So was was very, very good experience as well. That's amazing. You are a shining example at Haas of beyond yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Exactly. Let's um, let's wrap this up with. Do you have any parting advice for incoming students? Yeah. So, what I would say is, don't freak out when you arrive to Haas um, the MBA and see. You can come the night before. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you come the night before. My advice will be: this is a very expensive learning then take them out, the most out of it, but prioritize your fun, your experience, and your mental health also. So don't assume that because this is a expensive learning and this is a unique opportunity that was offered to you, you have to go crazy about every single issue or opportunity that you see on campus because what will happen is like you will probably enjoy less the experience and that's, that's something that you cannot recover. Uh, many times there are so many sweets and changes in the career path, in the journey that you're going to have, and you will have time for that. But to recover the time that you have been uh, losing because you were not enjoying what you are doing is way more difficult and way more expensive than what you actually you're paying. And I say that because and I'm actually an active promoter of getting people trying to enjoy more the journey that they have. Even if it's a grown journey because it ends up going nowhere or because they are not 100% sure, like many of us are never 100% sure. You have to try to pursue a, a fair balance of uh, social, academics, uh, career, but always do it because you want it and because you love the things and not because there is someone like just pushing so hard uh, so that you don't even end up uh, enjoying the, the whole experience. Well said. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Adolfo. Thank you very much. It was a real pleasure.